Hello and welcome back to the history of video games. My name is Ben and I'm joined by the one and only Wes. How are you doing today, Wes? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm having a, a nice time kind of relaxing on the weekend here. It's a little hot outside. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm staying inside playing games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And lots of games to play recently. I think I'm going to jump in and talk about something I've been playing recently. It was my birthday yesterday when we're recording, not when this comes out. Uh, and you made it another year, Wes. <laughs> I did. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I didn't ask for any games explicitly, but some games were given to me. Some games came your way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gifted me the Stardew-like game that you've been playing, Traveler's Rest, which I actually haven't got much of a chance to play yet. I'm really excited about it and plan to play it. But the first time I played it, I got halfway through the tutorial and then I forget what happened, but I got distracted and had to go do something else. So I was like, yeah, the game probably saved. And uh, it turns out it doesn't save until you finish the tutorial. So my, <laughs> my I think it saves whenever you go to bed. Right. Yes. And so I was like halfway through the day. So I was like, well, yeah. Oh, well, at least it wasn't that much. <laughs> so I still got to do that again. But another game that I got that totally fell off my radar, but I remember being hyped about it when it originally came out is Harvestella. Have you ever heard of that, Ben? Oh. It is on Steam and Switch and maybe some other consoles too, but it's published by Square Enix and it's basically like, what if Final Fantasy like theming and visual style, but a Stardew game kind of. So okay. it's like JRPG meets farming sim sort of. And it's really interesting. I'd saw it initially and Visually, it gave me a lot of vibes of Final Fantasy XIV, so I was very interested in it. And it turns out, after playing it, that the farming is definitely a part of it, but there's also like dungeons and combat and stuff, which I really wasn't expecting. Like more than just the going around a cave Stardew style, like you actually have jobs. Like you can be a, a in Final Fantasy XIV, jobs are what they call the different classes. So like you have jobs and you can be a fighter or a mage and all this kind of stuff and you can swap between them. And there's like a weakness system where certain enemies are weak to your ice attacks and certain ones weak to fire attacks and all that kind of stuff. And it was way more than I was expecting because I thought it was going to basically just be like a community farming slash like relationship building kind of game. And I think all that stuff is in there, but honestly, I haven't got to it yet because I'm still in what feels like the introductory quest. Like I don't even have any permanent companions in my party yet, but it's really interesting. So I'm loving it so far. I'm just kind of in general confused because it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> but I've seen screenshots of like people playing later in the game and you can really expand your farm and stuff too. It's funny how much though it takes from and again, I, I'm not too sure how much of this was Stardew's original idea and how much of it was in things like um, like Harvest Moon, like Harvest Moon to begin with. But it has like, you know, the shipping bin on your farm where you throw all the mm -hmm. stuff you want to sell and then it gets sold in the middle of the night. Your mailbox where the various villagers send you like cake in the mail when you up your relationship with them. It has a house that you can upgrade with a kitchen and all that so you can cook meals. But it's nice because i mean you know there's sort of this in stardew where you have health and stamina but you really need those like combat buffs and health replenishing 
in the dungeons in this game. So like you're actually making food that feels really useful, which is cool. A bit of a weird stamina system because it's shared between like when you're farming and when you're fighting monsters. So like if you go farming all day, you're not going to be able to fight monsters for very long. <laughs> They're equally challenging. Yes. We're taxing yeah, on yeah. your body. They work different muscles, you know, it's <laughs> each one's a different muscle group. But yeah, it's really interesting so far. I'm very excited to play it more. I haven't gotten too far into it. It's got a very Final Fantasy anime kind of story. Like, I don't know, five minutes in, your character has amnesia and you meet somebody from the future. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in this. (laughs) (laughs) I will say the graphics and performance are like just okay. It does what it needs to do, but I was really hoping for more. But Man, just every time I see Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild and then anyone else's game that came out on the Switch, I'm like, how did they do this? Because everyone else is really struggling (laughs) with the Switch hardware. Yeah. And maybe it's same on the PC version for Harvestella. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a real weird one that I totally forgot existed, but I was excited about it. And now I'm really excited about it again. It does sound pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty cool. I feel like you've been finding a lot of really cool games lately, Wes. Lots yeah. of I haven't heard. If you could just find me a God game, that would be amazing. Right. Yeah. I've been searching for one of those since uh, uh, there's a game called Goddess by Peter Molyneux, and he kind of like abandoned the project after he right. got kickstarted. <laughs> and I haven't found another one since. But I'm always looking for those. I'll keep my eye out. <laughs> but what have you been playing recently? I'm curious to know. Well, I've been jumping between a bunch of different stuff. I've been checking out a lot of my unplayed games list mm-hmm. from my different packs. I'll talk about one of those games today. I think it's called Vagante. I think it's an Italian kind of name. And hopefully it's not just like Vigant or something. <laughs> but I think it's Vagante. <laughs> and um, I feel like I'm going to sound negative talking about the game. <laughs> but I don't mean to be. I think the game is quite good. It's a 2D side-scroller action roguelike where you're kind of going into a dungeon, getting to the bottom of the dungeon. You have to kill a boss and then you go on to level two and, um, you know, the dungeons are randomly generated and you get different loot drops and there's a slight progression system in the game and all of it's pretty good. Like the artwork's really nice and the combat's good. The boss design I think is really nice, but I think there's a bit of a problem, which is that I just played a game just like this not too long ago called Dead Cells. And right. I just think that game's just way better than this game in like every respect. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Better music, better ambience, better graphics, better combat. So it feels like this game's just lacking an identity or, so, or something that were like some kind of unique measure to it that would differentiate it from everything else in this genre, which I feel like. You know, 2D action roguelike, it's a pretty packed genre at this point. I feel like (laughs) there's games coming out in this every other week. So if you're not really doing anything super special, I just think it's, you're not going to be able to beat Dead Cells, you know, or like a Hades or something. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, I don't know. I just feel like why, like when I was playing it, I was like, why am I playing this and and not Dead Cells? Yeah, yeah. So a couple of the smaller differences, just to kind of explain a little bit more, like The combat in this game is a lot slower. I think they were trying to go for more of a strategic kind of combat where you have to be a lot lot more mindful of like your positioning and really hitting the enemies when 
they're not attacking and stuff. But um, I just really prefer like Dead Cell is very fast paced combat, lots of dodge rolling and like as soon as you hit your attack button, you're swinging your sword and it's everything's very quick. And this game, it just felt like there's a delay almost without all my actions. So I have to like swing the sword before I actually want to swing it so that it lands and connects at the right time. Right. But it was not my kind of combat. Uh, maybe some other people would like it. And also like something with roguelikes, I like how Dead Cells, after you beat the first level of Dead Cells, you get some paths. You can go down a couple different paths for different levels. And that makes it so that when you're constantly dying and redoing this over and over again, you can go down these separate paths and every playthrough will be different. You'll see different things. But in this game, whenever you die, it's back to level one and level one's always the same. And then level one always goes to level two, which is always the same. And that always goes to level three, which is the same. And it's just like, I don't want to play level one again. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. Or like, I don't know, there wasn't enough variation in the runs to make me want to continue to play. They do have a slight progression system where you have this account level on your account and it unlocks what I would say is like sideways progression where you can kind of have some modifiers on your run. The modifiers could be something like you're strong but dumb so you have plus one strength and minus one intelligence or something mm -hmm. like that. It's yeah. like it's not exactly a buff or anything. Not like Dead Cell where you can just make the quality of the items that appear greater. Like that's just a straight up buff. But on this game, it was just sideways, and I just wasn't interested in continuing. <laughs> so, it makes it sound bad. I think the game's good. Like, graphics are really nice. Um, they're not as high fidelity as Dead Cells, but I think they're nice. And everything about the game is solid. It's just like, when you have 10 out of 10 games in the genre, why would you play a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 kind of game, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you love games like that, sure. But for me, it's like as a casual person, just give me the best one. There's plenty of stuff to do in it. <laughs> right. Like that's not the only genre that you play. So it's, yeah. you want to play the best and it's hard if there's nothing really popping or nothing really unique uh, that defines it. It's interesting. Yeah. And by the way, I should say, I don't I have no idea when this game came out. So maybe it came out like 10 years ago. I don't know. Right. But right. as far as playing in 2023 goes. It's just not really worth it. But I'm glad I checked it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another one to check off the list uh, and just reaffirms how much you like Dead Cells, you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Dead Cells. I think I'm going to buy the DLC to Dead Cells. They have a couple oh, yeah. of them. Go for it. And Dead Cells has, has a lot more customization too where like you can make your guy look different. There's costumes. There's yes. like yeah. different... I don't want to say weapon skins, but the different kinds of weapons in that game were so unique. Like, I think one of them, you're like hitting people with like a shark, <laughs> like, right. so like yeah. a shark sword and stuff. So cool looking. And this game was just kind of like generic fantasy. Here's, here's a yellow sword. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to keep it interesting. Well, cool. Still, that, that's an interesting one, uh, even if it wasn't your yeah. cup of tea. But, you know, you, you made a great transition talking about 2d side scrolling kind of games because today we are going to be talking about the arcade game defender and oh, yeah. to prepare for that we wanted to give a little bit of background on the company williams as well as the developer eugene jarvis and a little bit of what went into the development of defender the game itself 
So let me start off with a little bit of history of Williams. I think we've probably briefly mentioned them before because they did, mm-hmm. I think, a Pong clone like way back in 75 or something. And they've been yeah. doing pinball machines for many, many years. But the company started, uh, there's a guy named Harry Williams who had been in the pinball industry. Uh, he started in the pinball industry back in 1933. So he's been in it for a while. And apparently he helped popularize some of the very like well-known innovations of pinball machines, like tilting the uh, machine and all that. And by 1943, he had founded his own company called Williams Manufacturing Company, which went on to make lots of pinball machines. And then by 1959, Williams himself was actually bought out of the company by the partial owner and vice president, uh, Sam Stern, which I'm not sure if that's related to stern electronics right because i think that's i don't know i'm not sure yeah so we'll get back to you on that one when we cover stern electronics uh (laughs) or if ben finds it by the end of me talking about this so williams uh harry williams himself his last game with the company was actually an electromechanical game he was still kind of working with them even when he was out of the company and that was in 1977 but the company still went on and it was still called williams And by 1967, it actually merged with another big entertainment company at the time called United Manufacturing, and it was renamed to Williams Electronics. And from there, Williams started to dabble in video arcade games because it could tell that, hey, that's sort of where things may be going. But they still mainly stuck to pinball and really only did, I think, Pong clones. By 1980, the company had been sold and bought by someone who took it public. And that's kind of where we're at with it now in 1981. And by the way, I can confirm Stern is the same guy as Stern Electronics. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Coming from Williams and then also doing Stern Electronics at the same time. That's because uh, we just did Berserk by them as well. And that's, yep. that's mm-hmm. still doing some big stuff there. And as we're going to see, Defender is going to be a very big game. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Sam Stern is still involved with the company at this point. I could be wrong. But going back to the 70s is when Eugene Jarvis got started at Williams. He started working on pinball machines for Williams after briefly working for the uh, fleeting pinball division at Atari that didn't last for very long. (laughs) And he had only worked on pinball games, never made a video game, when Williams decided, okay, it's time for us to make an original arcade game. And Jarvis was picked to be the lead developer. And that is when Defender started being created. It was inspired mainly by Space Invaders and Asteroids. The screen wrapping, the side-to-side scrolling that we're going to see in Defender was directly inspired by the screen wrapping in Asteroids. And the game took somewhere over six months, maybe a year to develop. So it had been cooking for a while. And apparently towards the end of it, the higher-ups were getting so frustrated that it wasn't ready to go that like all of the developers at Williams, I guess, whether they were pinball or otherwise, were on Defender to try and get it finished. But I think this long development time definitely helped them because they tried a lot of different things out. And then when they play tested it, just said, no, that's not fun and took it out. Jarvis mm-hmm. stated that the idea for the name Defender came from a TV show in the 60s called The Defenders. And basically the idea that he wanted to make a violent video game and he felt like, well, as long as you're defending something, you can be as violent as you want uh, because it means that you're (laughs) being attacked. 
And so he's kind of got a point. So <laughs> the phrasing he thought, I guess, made it more easy to swallow that you're uh, destroying a bunch of stuff, even though it's, you know, very similar to Space Invaders. You're shooting a bunch of extraterrestrials. But when it was finally completed and ready to go, they were trying to get ready for the AMOA trade show. And apparently they installed some of the EPROM or EPROM chips backwards and it caused the whole machine to short out. So they had to quickly take them out, print some new ones or make some new ones and get them running before the show again, which they did. And also they had to make an attract screen for it because I think it was like a day or two before the trade show, they didn't have an attract screen running. Coincidentally, Eugene Jarvis, who was the lead developer on this game, also made a game that Ben played very recently called Next Machina. Uh, so yes. I don't think he's done too much in between Defender and Next Machina. You know, he did have his hand at a couple of different games, but it's interesting to see that he's still in the video gaming world. I know that was the one. It was like a, a bullet hell game, but there was no crosshair for my mouse. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to see the Defender uh, lineage from there, I'm sure. Yeah, I had no idea when I was playing it. But it's cool. I kind of already played one of his games. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to kind of really talk about and nail in on in regards to the development of um, Defender is the AMOA show, which was such a huge deal. And when it was unveiled, the AMOA show apparently didn't do very well because... I think the arcade cabinet has something like five different buttons. <laughs> like yeah. the controls for it are not very easy to pick up. So it didn't do the best there. And it wasn't until later that the game would see success. But uh, I believe that, you know, industry professionals saw it at the AMOA show and Defender clones are going to be coming out very quick after Defender, which in and of itself the reason why we're covering it now and not back in like September, October of 1980 is because they spent a few more months after the AMOA show still developing it because it was so rushed for the AMOA show. It was just like, we just need it like running, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But they were still working on it through 1981 until February when it finally released. So that's why we're covering it now. And it's kind of got a weird backstory because since it was shown months ago uh other companies have already kind of seen that and started working on on their own stuff and we'll see some defender like games come out very shortly so defenders the first obviously because it was shown first and everybody copied it but if you look at just the timeline and the dates it would be hard to tell you would think that some of these things were made independently or uh maybe even other games came out first but Right. Because of the AMOA show Defender being shown then, that's why it's, it's always regarded as the first of this uh, side-scrolling shooter game. So I think with that said, Wes, I'm very interested to know what you thought of it and how fun it is. So let's take a break and then we'll talk about the game itself.
everybody. Welcome back from that brief break. Let's get right into it with Defender, the game that we are all here to hear about today. And I was very excited to play, although I got to be honest, before we started doing research for 1981, I didn't know this game existed. But apparently it's a big <laughs> How deal. How could you ask? <laughs> apparently it is a very big deal. And as I learned from playing it, it deserves to be a big deal. But let me give a little bit of extra background. It's the not the first game of side-scrolling graphics that we've ever seen, but it is the first side-scrolling shooter, as far as I know, and it takes side-scrolling shoot-em-up to a whole new level. Uh, so it really kind of defines this niche genre. The game apparently to the current day has grossed over $1 billion, uh, so it's definitely a popular game, and I think that might mean in some of its other formats as well. And when it debuted, the industry people who were looking at it said it was going to be a flop because it's way too difficult. And I think like Ben said, because it had a lot of buttons on uh, to control it. The cabinet itself, though, is nice and colorful. Nothing like super crazy, but it does have a lot of great space stuff and explosions and all that kind of stuff on there. But now let's move to the gameplay, the important stuff. Holy crap, they were not kidding when they said this game is hard. It is brutal. I think part of that could be because I was playing it on keyboard in an emulator, uh, but it is a tough game. Uh, so let me give you the rundown of how the game is played. The basic gameplay is that you have humans on the surface of a planet, and you have to stop aliens from abducting them. And if they all get abducted, you lose the game. You also have three lives for your ship at the start of the game, and if those run out, you lose the game that way as well. Uh, we've seen stuff sort of following this framework before. The difference is, instead of being at the bottom of the screen, moving horizontally and shooting up at aliens coming down, you are moving left and right in the middle of the screen. The screen wraps horizontally to the left and right. And you can also move up and down uh, within this space as well. But you can only shoot to your left and your right, and your ship is always facing the left and right. Uh, so it's a very different perspective than we've seen before, and we're going to see a lot of it after this uh, because people are like oh hey that's cool <laughs> when you shoot you can also shoot very quickly which is great there's no one projectile on screen shenanigans going on here i think you can spam it as fast as you can like it'll fire as fast as you can hit the button which is fantastic the game starts with these easy aliens called landers that kind of look like little lunar landers with faces on them they occasionally shoot at you, but their main goal is to try and abduct the humans that are on the surface. Uh, if they make it to the top of the screen with a human, you lose that human, and also they turn into a mutant, which then is this powerful, fast enemy that chases you down while shooting a ton of projectiles. So you have an extra incentive to kill those landers, not just to save the human, but also because they're going to wreck you if they turn into a mutant, basically. <laughs> if you do manage to shoot a lander while it is carrying a human up to the top of the screen, you still have to catch the human. They fall slowly down to the planet, and if they land uh, without you catching them first, they die. So <laughs> you have to <laughs> kind of juggle this, literally uh, juggle, where you have to hit them, catch them, and then once you catch them, you can just carry them around, hanging off the bottom of your ship for a while, and they're actually pretty safe there. Uh, so one person's strategy was to when you only have one person left, just pick them up and keep them on the bottom of your ship. And that kind of keeps you safe for a while. But 
once you catch them, you can also place them on the ground and you get extra points for returning them safely. Uh, so it's a nice little interaction there that we don't usually see. And then as the rounds progress, different types of enemies show up. There's a fast flying saucer that was inspired by asteroids called the uh, Bader, I think, which tries to move you away from the humans by really aggressively chasing you. There's one called the Swarmer, which starts out as a single block, but then when you break it, it turns into a swarm of really tiny ships that chase you and try to kamikaze into you. And then uh, I believe there's another one that just explodes into bombs on the screen or something crazy. There's a lot going on as the rounds go on. You also have a few smart bombs, which are a full screen clear, and those get replenished when you get enough points along with getting extra lives. And since the game is a side-scroller and you don't see the full map of the screen in one screen, like it's wider than is shown on the screen, there is a nice little radar at the top of the screen that actually shows you where the enemies are, where the humans are, and what type of enemy they are based off the color of the dot on the radar at the top of the screen. So there's a lot going on in this game, and I didn't even mention in that, but it also plays pretty dang quickly. So let me get into my ratings now and I'll talk about it a little bit more. For graphics, I gave this a 5 out of 10. I was really surprised by how good this looks. Like the first time I saw it, it just looks like a black screen, a couple of stars in the background. The ground is just represented by an orange line that goes up and down and like sort of has mountains. I was like, oh, okay, so it's nothing too crazy. But the more I looked up videos on it, the more I played it, the more I noticed the awesome details that are in it. Your ship, for instance, looks like a fighter jet and looks really good and has this great multicolored flame coming out of the back of it to represent your thruster. That's like a changing pixelated rainbow pattern uh, that looks really, really good. And your cockpit, I believe, also has that same sort of rainbow effect going on. And it also only shows up when the thruster is engaged and you're moving one direction or the other. So that's a nice touch, touch too, that keeps it kind of visually interesting. The enemy variety is also great. They're fairly simple, but they're all multicolored sprites and they all look very visually distinct. So it's that fun combo where, sort of like in Wizard of War, you have a very distinct looking thing and it has a name. So you start to associate that name with it and uh, it gives it a personality almost. The humans you're protecting, I was very surprised that they had a lot of detail too, considering they're just these tiny little things at the bottom of the screen, but they are multicolored. They clearly look like they're wearing spacesuits or something like that, uh, so they look great. And one of my favorite visual aspects is the laser that you shoot. You can shoot super fast, and it's this rainbow, like, white color-changing beam that isn't just a solid line. It has, like, some pixels sort of blacked out or missing to make it look like it's a actually like dissipating after being shot. It's one of the best laser effects I think we've seen so far. So mm -hmm. much better than just like a straight line with no interruptions in it. It actually looks like what you imagine a laser beam should look like. So that was probably one of my favorite parts since you can fire so fast. Moving on to sounds now. This is probably the weakest part of Defender in my opinion. I only gave it a 3.5 out of 10. There's no music in the background, at least as far as I heard, but it does have pretty solid sounds overall. It's got unique alien death sounds, 
a really good laser sound and a good bomb sound for the smart bombs, and even has a unique like indicator beep if a human is being abducted somewhere on the map. They're all just sort of like beepy, spacey sounds, but they all sound really distinct. The thruster noise is good, so even though nothing really floored me or was crazy impressive, it all just sounds super solid and for the most part was everything I wanted for uh, sounds from this. Now moving on to the brutally hard gameplay. Uh, <laughs> despite being crazy hard, I still gave it a 4.5 out of 10. I'm going to blame some of the difficulty on the fact that I was playing on a keyboard and I was having trouble rebinding the keys to like a more ergonomic layout. <laughs> but still, I imagine it would be crazy difficult on a cabinet. Like Ben mentioned, there were like five buttons to control it. Uh, so that's a decent bit that you have to keep track of. But there's just so much going on in this game. You start having these humans getting abducted, and then it's just a domino effect of these super tough mutants chasing after you because of that. Uh, but the great thing is that the fender does play super fast and smoothly. So if you're really good, you can keep up with all the crazy stuff that's going on. You've got options for fighting your enemy because you have this limited number of smart bombs to clear the screen. And I just really love the speed of this game. And you can fly through the scrolling uh, left to right screen pretty fast and you can spam the laser as much as you want. It's super fun. I watched uh, like a pro playing this and there are some crazy slick maneuvers that you can pull off with this quick turnaround button that they have, which makes you face the opposite direction where you like taunt an enemy into chasing you and then you quick turn around, shoot it and then turn back the other direction and keep flying. It's just so smooth. I love that you can do all that kind of stuff. I also love that you have to catch the humans as they're falling. Uh, it can be super punishing, but it's just a fun little detail. And even though it's a truly tough game, I can really see why people kept playing it over and over again and it became pretty popular. So now for relevance, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I don't think it's, you know, the first game people think of when they think of popular arcade video games in history. You know, there's so many other big names, but Defender definitely proves that it's going to be a very popular game. It's going to inspire lots of clones and follow-ups. And I think it's brought side-scrolling to the shooter genre in a big way. Uh, so it makes me really excited for what's to come. And so overall, that left me with a 4.5 out of 10. I knew it was coming in 1981 after we did the research and after seeing some images of it. I was super excited for this, and boy, Defender delivered. It's so cool, so unique. It's got great visuals, great gameplay, super fast pacing, and it makes me really excited to see another company, Williams, make a game that can live up to all the greatness of Galaxian, because uh, there's not many other companies that we've seen that have been on par with that, and for it to be this company that's just making their first original arcade game, that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, Defender's pretty cool. I think this is going to be the start of almost like a new genre of games for us. I think there's yeah. going to be, you know, those Galaxian games and then the Defender type games. So um, this is a big one. For sure. I think my favorite part, I'm not sure if you really mentioned it, but um, 
when things explode, they like break apart into a thousand pieces. And I love yes. that. Yes. It's You're almost right. like it's a uh, vector graphics, but it's not vector graphics. Just really well done. Yeah, no, it does look fantastic for not being vector graphics. And I was thinking about mentioning that and I just forgot because there were so many other great visual so aspects that I love about it. Yeah. <laughs> they make use of every pixel, I think. So they really do for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Defender's great. Yeah. Glad I got to take a look at it and uh, excited to see what other companies do with their clones or uh, Defender inspired games. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think we're going to have to wait very long. <laughs> we do have a lot of 1981 Defender clones, uh, you know, that were just straight clones, nothing new. There's plenty of Defender clones that have their own unique twists. Um, some of them even coming in February of 1981, right where we are right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I'm going to cover one of those a bit later, uh, not in today's episode, but in a future episode. But for the, the, the Defender clones that were straight clones we've got quite a few that released in 1981 we've got defense command by arctic international defense command by outer limits galaxy wars 2 by sonic sa next century by pedico mirage by jutel defender by jutel defender by taito tornado otherwise known as zero by jutel and tornado otherwise known as zero by amtech all right, so let's move out of Defender land. Let's move <laughs> into some tank games. This is Ooh. another arcade game, one that I got to review today by the company Video Games GmbH, who we have mentioned many times on the podcast, but because they always clone things, it turns out by uh, 1981 in the history of video games, the EU is starting to actually think about copyright laws oh. <laughs> and actually going after people. So video games, GmbH, I think they have had lots of licensing agreements, but I guess they did a lot of like unlicensed clones as well, but they've only cloned stuff and they've done it a lot. They're from uh, Germany. And when the, I read that when the company was sold, it sold for like $10 million in like the mid eighties. So it's gotta be a huge company just making clones. But I guess during 1981, they started to get a little nervous and was like, maybe we should make our own games. <laughs> and uh, the first game that they make is a game called Super Tank, which reminds me a lot of R2D Tank, which I think we mentioned as an honorable mention last week. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to that, honestly, but this one's better for sure. This one, it kind of has two phases, unlike the other one. The first phase is kind of like this tank pac-man game i don't know why everybody's doing this right now <laughs> but um essentially you've got a bunch of dots on the screen and your tank and an enemy tank maybe two enemy tanks depending on the difficulty or the wave but basically your tank you have to collect all the dots on the screen to go to, to phase two there are some red dots on the screen which give you invulnerability and uh, my favorite part is when you get the invulnerability you can just ram the enemy tanks with your tank and they explode it's pretty <laughs> satisfying but you can also just use it as a defensive measure for not getting hit but uh, once you clear the screen of all the dots including the power-ups then you go on to a phase two which is actually a boss fight against the super tank which is kind of the namesake of this game and the super tank i don't know it's um it's a bit of a mixed boss battle. To defeat the super tank, you have to place a shot right in the middle of it, kind of in like the gun turret of this 
giant tank, which is, you know, several times larger than your tank. And it will move around from the screen left to right, basically chasing you and, and trying to shoot you as you're doing this. But the thing is, like, you can get a really good lineup on the tank right when it spawns in. So <laughs> there's a very easy replicable strategy of like, as soon as it spawns in, you fire and you beat it before <laughs> its shot can hit you. Oh no. So you can defeat the boss in oftentimes less than like two seconds. So <laughs> if you don't hit that first shot, it can be a little challenging because it fires a lot quicker than you do. So in order to line up a shot into the gun turret of the enemy super tank, you kind of have to bait it to shoot because it takes like a second for it to shoot again. So you have to bait it to shoot and then line up your shot and fire before it gets another shot off. So it's a little challenging if you don't get it right away, but I found myself getting it right away, like right from the get-go. It wasn't even, I didn't even try to. It was like my first attempt and it was like, oh, I just defeated it in one shot. <laughs> So um, it's not the best designed, but it's all right, I guess. And after you do phase two, you're back to phase one again, uh, except there's more enemies in this big play field with you. Unlike something like Pac-Man, there's no walls in the first phase. It's just a bunch of dots on like a empty field. If you can imagine that <laughs> it's a, like a black void. So um, it's not the, the best looking or the most interesting kind of setup, <laughs> but um, where the game does kind of, uh, have a little bit of a of a unique spin to it is actually the tank controls. I wasn't expecting this to be a factor at all, and I wouldn't have even known until I played it. But usually, in like a Pac-Man game, you've got your four directional control, and usually you can turn around on a dime, like straight 180 degrees. But in this game, if you try to hit like the back button or or the down button on a keyboard, your tank will actually move in reverse. And this is actually a huge deal because if there's a tank behind you, you can't just immediately do a 180 degree turn and fire at them and then keep running away. Because if you hit the, the back button or the down button, you'll start to reverse towards them and your gun turret is still pointed the opposite way. Hmm. So you cannot really hit enemies that are behind you, which makes having the enemies get behind you is, is, is a big deal. You have to try to immediately turn and and get a different kind of lineup on them so i found that to be an actual actually pretty interesting mechanic i i really liked it it kind of almost felt like i was playing some sort of um like star wars ship game where you know you've got fighters on your six and it's hard to like get behind them you know that's kind of what it felt like but in a tank game like a top-down tank game so <laughs> Um, it was pretty interesting. I actually enjoyed that mechanic. It was kind of annoying to get used to at first, but I'm glad that they did it. It's like the only thing that differentiates this game or makes the first phase at all interesting. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be way too easy, I think. So um, with that being said, I think that's pretty much it for what the game is. So let me get into the ratings for Super Tank. For gameplay, I ended up giving it a 2.5 out of 10. It's not great, but it's not horrible. I think the first phase, it's pretty lacking. It's just like you going around collecting dots and dodging the enemies, which they do try to chase you. But since you're in a tank, like everybody just moves slowly. It's, I found it pretty easy to avoid them. It is hard to like get behind them to shoot and take down. But 
it's really easy to pick up a power-up. Like, there's lots of power-ups on screen. There's probably six power-ups. So you just kind of collect green dots until the enemies get close, and then you pick up a power dot and then ram them. <laughs> because you can <laughs> ram them in reverse, which is pretty fun. <laughs> um, and when you get the dots, they don't, like, immediately run away like the ghosts in Pac-Man. Like, I feel like their AI was still trying to chase me, so it was very easy to ram them. The actual shooting gameplay in this game is pretty hard to do, but collecting power-ups and then ramming the opponent, that's the way to do it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> after you've done it for a few levels, it's just not that enjoyable anymore. But um, it's somewhat fun. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but it's not the gameplay I would want. <laughs> I think it's a little, uh, a little basic, maybe. And the boss, I don't know what to say about the boss. I feel like there's like a fundamental flaw with the boss design <laughs> where it's just uh it's kind of boring and, and too easy to take down. I wish it was something like the boss in Phoenix where it takes multiple shots to break through a hall or something like that. But in this case it's just a one shot, one kill, and if like you and the enemy tank fires at the same time and seemingly get hit at the same time, it'll say you won. So <laughs> you almost oh, have an weird. advantage over the tank. <laughs> So um, the boss wasn't uh, very fun, I, I thought. And it's the same boss every time, you know. Nothing new. I thought the game was fun, but it didn't really blow me away. For graphics, I gave that a 2.5 out of 10. Again, I think the graphics are like one year behind the times. The uh, first phase, as I mentioned, there's no walls in the maze. It's just a black background with some green and red dots. And your tank is a single yellow color. The enemy tanks are a single red color. But they're not multicolored sprites. The only multicolored sprite in the game is the super tank, which is a three color multi sprite and much larger and more detailed. So I like the super tank, but the backgrounds in this game are just too plain. They're just like too much of a black background. I wish there was maybe some overlays on it or something, but. It's just boring to look at, I think, so I just gave it a two and a half out of ten. There are multicolored explosions, which I guess is nice. And also by I think your tank kind of flashes in color when you pick up a power up, which is nice, but I didn't find the game to be that good looking. I felt it kind of reminded me of games I've seen in like nineteen seventy nine. So <laughs> Oof, yeah. not the best. A little behind the times. For sound effects, I did Go 2.75 for the sound effects because there's a couple music tunes in this. Uh, there's one that plays when you launch the game and then a different one between the rounds and that one repeats between all the rounds. So I think it's just two musical kind of moments that happen in the game. And otherwise, it's kind of what you would expect. I think the explosion sounds are, are pretty meaty and very loud. So I, th I really liked them. The uh, power-up noise, like when you have invulnerability it kind of reminds me of the pac-man one but it's a little different and i i like the way that that sounds i feel like in other games it would have been like the space invaders bonus ship sound and thank god it's not right <laughs> um there's also just an engine noise happening all the time in the background which is super needed it's not as like low and meaty as i would want a tank game to be but it kind of sounds like a you know like a moped's driving around or something but <laughs> Um, it works, and also, like, when you fire a shot, it's like a, a kind of a whistle, like in maybe a Space Invaders type game or something, so 
I wish that was a little bit more meaty as well. But because it had some music and it had, you know, good explosion sounds and engine noise, so there's no silence, I had to go 2.75 with it. Pretty high, I think, for sound. relevance i don't know i give it a five out of ten i think it's right down the middle because it is one of the first original games out of germany um in fact as you launch the game i kind of almost forgot about this but uh it says you know copyright 1981 video games gmbh west germany because this is still with the berlin walls up oh wow so yeah. i kind of completely forgot about that so this is coming out of west germany and it's one of the first games to do so so I want to give it some points, but then again, I don't think anybody outside of Germany really saw this game. <laughs> um, I'm surprised we have it emulated, although I didn't find any like real consoles still left. So I couldn't go too high because I don't think the popularity was that high and, and there's no unique mechanics in the game. But just because it's from Germany, I, I wanted to give it a few points. So I just went right down the middle out of five out of ten. And overall, I give it a two and a half out of ten. It was decent, but it reminds me of like good games that came out two years ago and not like a good game that's going to come out in 1981, which right. as we've seen can go into the fives. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, it's good to know that even the bad games are like two and a half out of 10 now. They're not going to be ones, hopefully. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think pretty much all of the games this year are going to have some redeeming qualities about them, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, like you said, I mean, at least cool to see this company that's just been doing clones basically do their own thing. It's definitely a spin off of a genre that we've seen, but a unique spin, uh, even if it doesn't really add to too much. Uh, Got to give them some props for that. It's interesting that they went down that route for their first game. I'm wondering if it was based off of uh some old key games tank game and they're just like let's just tweak this or yeah. if it was really super original i have no idea well and there will be some licensed uh super tank clones as well we have super tank by snk and also super tank by computron that are going to come out but now we have another arcade game and another review to talk about this one is called New Rally X, and it is, believe it or not, the new version of Rally X, which Ben has covered oh, before. Uh, <laughs> you know, Nintendo really took Namco's idea here when they made new Pokemon Snap uh, a couple years ago. But oh, yeah. anyway, this came out. We do have a very specific date for it on February 6th of 1981. Unfortunately, though, we don't know too much about this game in general. Even really what the marquee looked like, we don't really have good info on that. It was apparently a lot more popular in, or uh, fairly more popular in Japan than the original Rally X. But when it was distributed by Midway in the US, it was only distributed as an upgrade kit for old Rally X cabinets and not as its own dedicated cabinet. Uh, so that's part of why, you know, we don't really, especially in the US, have much information on what this cabinet looked like. But the game did exist, and 
made some interesting changes to the original Rally X, so we wanted to cover it. And let me just go over the basics of what Rally X is to start off. Rally X and New Rally X are Pac-Man head-on style games where you are going around a maze collecting things while being chased. In Rally X, you're collecting flags while other cars chase you. They go slightly faster than you in the straightaways, and if they touch you, you die, so you kind of need to go around turns to juke them out. There are also rocks that can randomly block your path, and if you crash into them, or you crash if you hit them, but the enemies are also slowed down if they run into them. And the whole time that you're going through this maze collecting flags, you have a fuel meter that constantly drains, and you get points for however much fuel you have left at the end of a round. As another way to avoid the other cars that are chasing you, you also have a smoke screen that uses some of your fuel but causes the cars behind you to stop for a little bit. So all that stuff was in the original Rally X and remains the same in New Rally X, but New Rally X does change things up a tiny bit, primarily to make the game a little bit easier because I think people thought it was too hard before. One thing is that there are less enemy cars to start. I believe the first round has three enemy cars chasing you in Rally X, and now there's only one car chasing you in New Rally X. The maze layouts also have a lot less dead ends. And there's also an additional way to score points called the Lucky Flag, which spawns on the uh, every maze now, which gives you points for your current fuel level whenever you find it. So the earlier into a match you find it, the more points you get. And then the special flag, which was in the first game as well, and doubles the points of the flags that you pick up after you pick up the special flag, uh, unless you die in between. It's now indicated on the minimap as a blinking dot uh, before. I think either it didn't show or it was just a solid dot like the other flags on the minimap. And I haven't mentioned the minimap before, but basically it's just on the side of the screen. It doesn't show any maze walls. It just shows where the enemy car positions are and where the flag positions are and where you are currently on the map. So that is the basic overview of Rally X and the changes that new Rally X made to it. Let me get into my ratings now. I'm going to be going off of Ben's ratings here to kind of keep things even for what he did for Rally X. So for graphics, I gave it a 3 out of 10. That's exactly what Ben gave it, because honestly, I don't think that much has changed. Uh, <laughs> I think I saw some things saying that it improved the graphics slightly, and maybe it did. Uh, the maze looks pretty good. I mean, it's bright, solid colors. The cars are weirdly proportioned, but they do look good, like sort of like dragsters almost, uh, except really short. The outside of the maze is still these brightly colored trees or flowers that do uh, change when you go to different rounds, which is nice, but there's not much variation in them. It's just like a repeating like one tree or one flower bush over and over again. The smoke screens, I do think, look pretty good. It's just this big series of clouds that comes out every time you hit the button. Um, so overall, I mean, it was just nothing too crazy, nothing really too different from what we saw in Rally X but it is still a nice, colorful game. It has nice sprites in it. And I do really like the fact that when you crash, it has a like, cartoon comic book bam that shows up on screen. Uh, I think that's very good. <laughs> Even better than an explosion in some cases. So yeah, pretty good graphics, but just nothing really too much better than the original. 
Moving on to sounds, I gave it a 3 out of 10 here, which I think is slightly more than Ben gave sound for Rally X. The main sound in this game is just this musical track that's always playing in the background. I can't say that I really like this tune uh, that much better than the original <laughs> or uh, at all, necessarily. I mean, it's not bad. And it does sound like it is better sound quality than the original Rally X, so I do want to give it some credit for that. But after about one minute of listening to it, it does slowly become maddening. Uh, the track, I think, is probably 10 seconds long, if that, and then it loops. And it does kind of slowly drive you insane. I don't know, did you feel that way with the first game, Ben? <laughs> yeah. I did listen to the music of, of New Rally X, and I think I like the track in New Rally X better. Yeah. It, it was getting on my nerves less. Right. Um, but part so... of that may be also that you didn't play it. So, true because <laughs> when i initially heard the original rally x i was like oh i kind of like this better but i do think that <laughs> there's a little bit more going on in the new rally x uh, musical track and i think it's got like i don't know if it has more uh, sound channels or if it's just like better quality but it does in general sound better uh, so i like that by the way wes i have seen a 10-hour version posted on youtube oh god <laughs> you know i just I think the minute or five minutes that I got was probably enough. <laughs> I don't need to do that to myself. <laughs> but one other sound I wanted to mention is that there is like this silly, I don't know what you call it, like a deflating noise. It's not like a farting noise, but it's just this weird squeaky kind of noise when the smoke screen happens. Uh, and I really like that. I don't know why. It's just funny. <laughs> Moving on to gameplay, I gave it a 2.75 out of 10 here. I feel like on paper, you know, it sounds like a winning formula for a game. It's just like Pac-Man, but cars or head on, but better, basically. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, and it's hard for me to place my finger on it, I just didn't think it was that fun. It just didn't feel like as snappy or like the pacing felt a little bit off, maybe because there's only about seven flags to collect on screen on the maze and it is scrolling which is really nice like you only see a tiny bit of the maze at a time and you're sort of revealing it as you go and it's a bit of a mystery uh, but that makes things a bit confusing too because just because you know where a flag is doesn't mean you know how the maze leads you to that flag and honestly i think with new rally x they might have made it a bit too easy too far in the opposite direction I mean, granted, I only played for like four levels, uh, so maybe the point was to let more people get to the later levels so that they can experience that much more from the game. But it just felt like I didn't have to do that much to trip up the enemy cars, like go around a couple corners and they were kind of getting lost. Sometimes they would get stuck on their own without me even doing anything. Uh, I think if they get like found a boulder and then they crashed into each other. Um, so I don't know. It's hard to pin down one particular thing I didn't like about the gameplay because it does play smoothly. It's an interesting idea. I do really like the improvement that they made of being able to find the special flag so that you can maximize that to get the most points per round. I think that's a really nice change. But overall, it's just, I don't know. 
felt a little bit weird. The fuel meter's a little bit strange and it uh, didn't really jive with me too well. Relevance, I gave it a 5 out of 10. I do want to give it some relevance because it ended up being more popular than the original in Japan. But in the US, uh, like I said, it was only upgrade kits for the original Rally X cabinet. So I don't think it was much of a hit at all. It's hard to find any info on it. In my opinion, even though they did make some nice changes from the original, it wasn't any like revolutionary things. Uh, so it didn't really move the genre forward at all in that way. And overall, that left me with a 3 out of 10 for New Rally X. I'm definitely going to say it's not worse than the original, but I think it's hard to say if it's really that much better. Uh, <laughs> it definitely made some improvements. I just think it might have been a little bit too easy. And I appreciate a company trying to make things easier so more people can play it. And I do think there is something to be said for the fact that it feels like they released this pretty fast. So, you know, maybe this is like a Rally X 1.5 instead of Rally X 2. I don't know. I'm curious to see what else they do. This one just left me a little bit underwhelmed, but it is still a cool idea. And hopefully there will be some fun stuff in this genre down the road. Yeah, that's pretty much all, right. all I got for new Rally X. Is it everything you were hoping for, Ben? I thought you'd really like it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah. But maybe that's just because I'm a sucker for the scrolling play field. That could be. I think part of it is because I was comparing it to Rally X, mm -hmm. and I just didn't think it changed enough. Um, so That's true. Yeah, I, I knew that going in, but I was like, yeah, but like Wes hasn't played new Rally X, so I kind of wanted right. to, to play it. In isolation, I may have you know liked it a bit more, because it is a good game yeah. on its own. But if you're comparing the two, I'm a little bit like, come on, you could have done a little bit more. <laughs> True. All right, well, let's move on to some other arcade games. We have a couple more here. We've got one called Planet Patrol, otherwise known as Space Chase by Status Games Corp. Came out sometime in 1981 and is some kind of Pac-Man type clone. Now, we don't have too much information, but there are some videos online of it. But nothing we really wanted to check out and review. And then we have... Gomoku Narabe Renju, I think, by Nijibutsu. It's basically just the board game Go on an arcade machine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Had to happen sometime. Yeah. The next one, though, Wes, this is a big one. I think some people would say this game is as big as Defender, although I'm not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> um, this next one is called Gorf by Midway. And, um, this is a pretty well-selling game. I think it's pretty well-remembered today and fairly popular. But I can't tell you why, though, Wes. I, I, I really can't. <laughs> um, maybe it's because, like, the game, it kind of is selling itself on this idea that it's five games in one. It's like five different Galaxian-type games in one game. And if you buy that, then you might think that this has a lot of value. But... Each quote-unquote game is just a phase, you know, in, in, right. a, in a yeah. larger Galaxian game. And, like, maybe back in the day when all of those phases were on different arcade machines, then, yeah, maybe this game has a lot going for it. But in 2023, I can pull up any of the original games, you know, so quick. It's not really exciting that it's just combining a bunch of things we've already seen, you know? So, right. um... Let me talk about the phases. There are quite a few of them. There's five in total. The first phase is 
most closely related to Space Invaders, but I think it's even more closely related to a game that you played, although I, I cannot remember for the life of me what it was called. But it, it's basically Space Invaders, but it has this kind of line, kind of semicircle towards the bottom of the screen, which is your shield that the right. enemies have to first yeah. break through. I know we've played that, um, but I can't remember what the game is called. I can but either, unfortunately. The, <laughs> yeah. But that's the first phase. Uh, it's pretty much played like Space Invaders, and the enemies kind of move and, and act like Space Invaders for that phase. After you defeat all the Space Invaders, it then goes to a new phase, like one that we haven't seen before on a different game. And this one, we've got enemies that kind of just dive bomb at you. And then I think either two or three enemies that have a laser beam kind of shot going straight down the screen fairly quickly. Those are the dangerous ones. You don't want to be below them at any time or else you'll get hit by the lasers. But if you take them out early, then you're just left with these other enemies that don't actually shoot you. They just kind of dive bomb down the screen, not even at you. They just kind of are falling. So as soon as you take down the hard enemies, that wave's not too bad. It then goes into a legit, like, straight ripoff of Galaxian with, like, sprites that look like Galaxian and behave like Galaxian. I do think they fire a little bit, a lot more shots than original Galaxian, but it's harder. But, man, it, is this just, like, the most blatant ripoff I've ever seen um, in any <laughs> other game? I would say, you know, this isn't even worth covering because we've seen it. But, um, yeah, so phase three is Galaxian. Phase four is another new kind of wave. It involves like a wormhole and there's aliens coming out of the wormhole one at a time in big like circle sweeping motions and they fire shots as they do. As they're coming out of the wormhole, they're growing in size. So there's a nice kind of perspective thing happening as they grow in size after they circle this, this wormhole. I would say this phase, it looks kind of cool because the wormhole is kind of giving off these like red beam effects. Uh, so it looks kind of nice, but the enemies come out of the wormhole one at a time and they're pretty easy to dodge and shoot, especially because they're coming out of the wormhole from the center of it. So you can kind of just camp the center for <laughs> when they spawn in and you'll hit them more often than not. And then finally for phase five, we've got our boss fight. I would say this phase is most closely resembles the, um, the fight in Phoenix, the, the boss battle in Phoenix, where there's kind of an enemy ship on screen and you, you have to like kind of break away the outer part of the ship to get to this inner part. And as soon as you can hit the inner part of the ship, that's when the ship will explode. The ship fires pretty, pretty fast, constant um, bombs down at you and will also occasionally fire out enemies. So, um, I would say that reminds me quite a lot of Phoenix, although yeah. it does look very like visually different. So I'm pretty okay with this boss fight. If there's any boss fight in the world that I would want it to clone, Phoenix is a pretty good one. Yeah. So, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And then after you defeat phase five, um, there's actually a, a portion of the cabinet, which is like, it says space rank. And so you start the game as a space cadet. And then after five phases, a new light on the cabinet lights up. That says space captain. And you can go all the way up to space Avenger, which is like the sixth rank after 30 rounds. <laughs> so, um, but that's it. There's five phases in total and they just repeat. And that's the five quote unquote games in one. But I think that's just marketing hype. 
I mean, they're just phases. And if you think like Space Invaders versus Galaxian is like two completely different games, I, I don't, I just don't agree. <laughs> um, so that's all the game is. Let me get into my reviews. Um, for gameplay, I did give it a three out of 10. I got it to that three territory just because uh, some of the phases were pretty fun. Like the first phase is Space Invaders. That's not super interesting. <laughs> they move very slowly, shoot slow. Interestingly, your ship can move up and down on the screen, which is unlike most Space Invaders or Galaxian games where it's kind of tied to the bottom. So you have a little bit more dodging power there. I'm assuming that's for the later stages, but you can do it in the Space Invaders one for some reason. But the Space Invaders one, pretty lame. The second phase with these ships shooting very long laser beams down at you, I thought that was kind of a cool phase. The ships in that section look very unique. They kind of look like V-shaped enemies, and they're all multicolored, so that looks nice and plays fun. Galaxian, we've seen a million times. The uh, Wormhole one was all right. I thought it was looked better than it played. But then I thought, you know, the... Um, the boss fight was actually pretty good. It takes multiple hits to kill it. It has a, a kind of an array of tricks that it can kind of shoot down at you, including spawning enemies. So all in all, I thought it was like there was enough good things there that I thought this is better than just like a, a normal 2.75 kind of game or two and a half rating. So I ended up going for a three, but I'm not going to go any higher than that because I just think it's a little bit too derivative and there's just not enough unique things happening. There's no power-ups, there's no waves that feel super unique or have the enemies doing things that we haven't seen before. Even the ones with, with the long laser beam shot, I've seen that in other games. So, I don't know. It was not the best, but I enjoyed what was there. At least there's five phases of unique content, so that's good. For graphics, I gave that a 3 out of 10. It's weird, like the Space Invaders phase, they have them in single colored sprites. Like, it doesn't look good, but it's supposed to remind you of the original Space Invaders. Uh, it's like they're taking you through the history of like space <laughs> games or something. Yeah. So they don't look good. And then later, when you get like to the Galaxian phase, it looks just like Galaxian pretty much, although the starry background's not quite as nice and your ship doesn't look as good. The unique phases look okay. And I think the, um, I actually really like the design of the boss ship. I think it's a very cool looking, kind of looks like an upside down enterprise or something, but I really like the looks of it. It has, um, like the part in the middle of the ship you need to hit to blow it up is kind of this fiery red color. That's, that's constantly a couple pixels changing, like in defender almost. So that part's really cool to look at. And, um, the enemies, there is an enemy called like the Gorf. And it's like kind of this mushroom looking enemy. It's one of the unique ones. I think it looks a bit out of place, but it's definitely memorable. So um, I thought the graphics overall wasn't too bad. Like some of the phases look bad, but some of the phases look good. I give it a three out of 10 there. By the way, I want to quickly mention what GORF means because it's a, it's an acronym. Oh, it's also frog spelled backwards, which Apparently one of the developers working on it was nicknamed Frog or something. <laughs> so I don't know if that's where it came from, but they ended up, you know, with some lore to the game where Gorf means galactic orbiting robot force. So ah. <laughs> And I'm not sure there might be a chance that these five phases represent 
like stage one, you're like defending Earth because you have that kind of barrier in front of you. Stage two, you're going into space. Right, right. You know, stage four through a warp hole, stage five, the enemy base with the ship. There might be some sort of lore there, or it's maybe just me trying to make it be lore, but I think it, it kind of gives that vibe. So I, I like that as well, that there's maybe some sort of story that you can imagine through the game. Um, for sound effects, I ended up giving it a 2.75 out of 10. I don't think there's any music in this, but there are a lot of sounds happening um, from just different kind of whistle sounds, laser beam sounds, very reminiscent of a Galaxian style game, but nothing too crazy. Pretty much all things we've seen before or heard before. So I thought it was well done, but just not super interesting. So 2.75. For relevance, I gave it a 7 because, as I mentioned, this game sells pretty well. It's by Midway and it's pretty well remembered. So, you know, I, I wanted to give it some points for its relevance to like the normal population. I think, like, my parents would would have heard of this game, unlike most games we cover. So <laughs> I had to give it some points, but I don't think the game's too innovative. And overall, I gave it a three out of ten. I think it's it's good. It's it's above average, but it's not great. It's not you know pushing the envelope for me. I think we're gonna be doing a, another Galaxian game next week called uh, Terrarian that you're gonna cover, Wes. I think mm-hmm. that one is going to be better than this. Um, and nobody's heard of that one. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have to see. But um, it's got some interesting concepts going on. I just don't, you know, it's just too much of the same that we've already seen before. So right. it couldn't go too high. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And we've been seeing a lot of these games now. I mean, five different stages, pretty cool. But if they're not as unique as the Phoenix stages, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. else, uh, I could see it falling a little short for sure, but still cool. Good to cover another, uh, popular one of the time. Yeah. All right, but let's move on and talk about some other honorable mentions. We have away from arcade land. We have the game and watch helmet, AKA headache, uh, which came out in February. Yeah, Helmet's like kind of it's like a dodging kind of game. I and mean, we've seen this game on the game watch before. We've got falling buckets and screwdrivers, and basically you're controlling a dude who's going from the left side of the screen to the right, just kind of uh dodging these things. <laughs> so nothing too interesting. Yeah. There were some clones of it. Headache and helmet by CGL, GI21, and Trickatronic and Video Pouch. All right, now let's talk about the TI-99 computer, uh, which we don't talk about very often. First off, we wanted to mention a bunch of the games that we either didn't have much info on or they just weren't interesting. Uh, This is a big list of games, so you can find it on our website, but I'm going to mention a couple here. We have Shoots and Sharks uh, by Charles Edinger, um, All-Star Baseball, Galactic War, Foul Play by Ron Binkowski, uh, The Chicken by Tom Perkowitz, and a bunch of other stuff there. 
Yeah, there was one game that came out quarter one of 1981 for the TI-99 that we wanted to mention just by itself. It was called The Attack. It's one of the more famous TI-99 games. It's a maze-based shooter that had a unique mechanic where the enemies could combine to form larger enemies. Mm. And um, it was pretty interesting. If today's episode was lighter, maybe we would have played this. But um, there was like, there's probably like 40 enemies on screen. And they're like germs. They don't really go after you because they, they can't even hurt you until they combine to make those larger enemies. So their main goal is to try to combine into one another. And it's pretty interesting. Sounds cool. All right. And we also have Autobahn by Nasir Gabelli and Sirius Software for the Apple II. It's a simple speed race type game, but it runs amazingly fast and with good color graphics, uh, which is basically the tagline we seem to be throwing on every Nasir Gabelli game uh, that comes yep. out. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited watching him, knowing that he has a part in Final Fantasy later. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but let's move on for now. We've got another, I think, Apple II game, Apple II and Atari 8-bit here. It's the next in Scott Adams' adventure series. He's got 11 of them now. This one's called <laughs> Savage Island Part 2. And um, it had a unique mechanic where you could swap brains with a Nathanderol, and some of the puzzles could only be done with your character, like, with the brain swap. So, I mean, it was interesting, but it's... Apparently well-received, but brutally hard, which for us is not good. Yeah. Um, and there's no <laughs> graphics, so we'll just Oof. mention it. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about a computer magazine, uh, Computing Today, the February issue. There was nothing of note in January, and there's not going to be anything we're mentioning from this magazine for March through August. Uh, but the one game we wanted to mention here is called Stock Car, and it's a destruction derby-type game for the NASCOM 2. And it's kind of reminded us a bit of Death Race, which is cool. Speaking of the NASCOM, there were some other NASCOM games that came out in 1981. We've got a short list here that were all not super interesting, um, including Pac-Man by Jules Madan, Sargon by Bits and PCs, and Galaxy Attack by South East London Software. As a quick reminder, NASCOM, just black and white, so it's not the best. <laughs> but, uh, that will do it for us today so i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode we did a really big one in defender and then a slightly less big one in gorf <laughs> um i think defender lived up to our expectations but yes. Gorf for me didn't really i also did super tank was which was an okay game by video games gmbh out of west germany and west covered new rally x by namco their new version of rally x so I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, yeah. Wes, why don't you take us out? Yeah, so if you want to keep following us on this journey, make sure to check out our website where we have tons of great information about everything we've covered before and about developers and tons of great stuff there. Also make sure to follow us on Twitter where we post announcements. And if you have any questions, feel free to send us an email. And with that, we'll catch you next time. See you all next time. <laughs>